0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, March 12, 2023, on the basis of Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Well, now that we are about 25 minutes into the service, I feel that it is only right and only courteous for me to ask you, how is your osmolality doing this morning? Is it just right? Not too high? Not too low? Osmolality is the measurement of the ratio that exists in your body between the water that is there and the chemicals that are dissolved in that water. And in order for your body to be functioning properly, Your osmolality needs to be just right. So, how is it? You mean you don't know? You haven't been paying attention to it? Do you realize how important it is? In our bodies, water is responsible for helping carry oxygen to every part of our body. Water provides a natural shock absorber for our brain and for our spinal cord, Water helps make sure that all of our joints are functioning smoothly and that our skin is nice and smooth and soft. And if your osmolality is, isn't just right, then none of that is going to be happening the way that it should. Well, thankfully, even if you've never given your osmolality a whole lot of thought or even heard of that word before, our bodies have a mechanism for letting us know when it is off. If your osmolality is too high, which means that you need water, here's what happens. Your cells will send a signal up to your brain. That's not a signal that you can detect or you are aware of. It's not like an email popping into your inbox. Instead, your brain handles that signal automatically, and it responds by sending a signal to the sensory nerves that are found in your tongue and your mouth. And your throat, it causes them to feel very hot and very dry and therefore prompts you to get the water that your body needs. In other words, instead of asking you how your osmolality was this morning, I could have just asked you, are you thirsty? Our body has a variety of needs and it is very important for us to actually be able to experience those needs so that we can do something about them. In the very same way, we as human beings need all kinds of things from our God. Not just physical needs, but spiritual needs as well. And in fact, all of those needs, every need that we have as human beings, must be met by God. But you know, there actually was a time when even though human beings had all of those needs, they were sort of blissfully unaware of them. This is where we started the season of Lent in that garden, with Adam and Eve. They were two human beings just like you and I. They needed all of the same things, and yet, they never once doubted, never once worried whether those needs were going to be met. They had absolute, perfect confidence that God would simply take care of everything that they needed. But they lost that for us. Which is why, in the verses that are in front of us today, we find God's people not in a perfect garden, but instead in a barren desert. And a desert is the kind of place that can make you very quickly and very keenly aware of everything that you need. In fact, that place known as a desert is sort of a perfect metaphor for where you and I are. Almost every step that we take in our journey through life can make us aware can make us experience something that we need from our God, something we lack. And when we experience that sensation, it isn't as simple as going to a drinking fountain or a faucet and pushing a button or pulling a lever and, voila, the need is taken care of. Instead, it's much more complicated than that. It's much more difficult than that. As we're going to see in the verses that are in front of us this morning, it isn't easy adjusting to life in the desert. And the Israelites are a perfect example of that. They were just beginning their journey from Egypt, where they had been in slavery, to the promised land, the the land that God had promised their ancestor Abraham, like we heard last week. And they were journeying through a desert. And it seems as though just about every step that they took, they were doing, the very thing that we see them doing in these verses, they were grumbling. They were complaining. This time it happened to be about water. Well, it's kind of hard to blame a group of people for being thirsty, isn't it? And yet pay very close attention. They start grumbling and complaining, not when they are thirsty, but as soon as they show up at this place where they realize there is no water. So not when the water runs out, not when they feel that first tinge of thirst in their throat, not when they are suffering from heat exhaustion or their bodily functions start to break down. No, as soon as they arrive, they start grumbling. And really, they start doing more than just grumbling. Moses actually uses two words to describe what the Israelites did at this place. They were charging God, and they were testing God. And these are really just two sides of the very same coin. They were essentially saying, God, we know that you made a promise to us that you would be with us every step of this journey. But the evidence suggests otherwise. I mean, never mind the fact that you miraculously parted the waters of the Red Sea and delivered us from Pharaoh's army. Never mind the fact that at our last pit stop we were complaining about food and you literally made food rain down from heaven. Here we are, God, at this place. And I don't know if you noticed, but there is no water. Those are the facts. That's the evidence. And so, God, if you want us to continue... To believe that you are with us, well, then you better provide some proof. You better give us some evidence. You better give us water. They were charging God, and they were testing God. That's why that place ended up being named what it was. They called it Massa for their testing and Meribah for their charging. Sure, eventually they got thirsty, but the sensation that they were experiencing was much more than just thirst. The key question of the day was not, where are we going to find water? But instead, as the last verse of this account tells us, the key question really was, is the Lord among us or not? Which which is what makes this story still so relevant even for people who perhaps have never felt true thirst. Even for people who perhaps have a dozen different buttons they can push or levers that they can pull just in their own house to get water when they need it. Life doesn't always have to feel like a literal desert, and yet that's exactly where we are. We are no longer in the garden, and we are not yet in the promised land. And in the meantime, we experience all kinds of things every single day that make us acutely aware of our need. That's exactly what a desert does. Maybe those needs are physical needs. Things like protection from disease, or safety from violence, or financial security for our future. Maybe those needs are are more spiritual needs, the need for unconditional love and forgiveness for all of our wrongs, the need for a feeling of acceptance and belonging in this world and among people, the need for joy and a sense of purpose in our daily tasks. And the problem is not when one of those needs is threatened or when one of those things is taken away. The problem isn't when there's an unplanned bill or an unexpected diagnosis. The problem isn't when we lose a friend or lose a job. The problem isn't that perhaps we never found love or we never had kids or we never landed that dream job. No, instead, the problem is when we use all of those things as an excuse to do what the Israelites did to charge God and to test God. God, I know that you say that you are with me, but the evidence really suggests otherwise. I mean, if you really were with me, this thing probably wouldn't be happening to me. Or God, if you really are with me, then then here's what should be happening. Here's the proof you should give me. Here's the evidence that I should be able to look at and see. That sensation that we experience as we travel through this desert is much more than thirst. It's not just some specific lack or some specific need. It's the sense in us that that need causes us to experience. That maybe God isn't with us. That maybe we too are alone. Which is why God responded to this situation the way that he did. Just as it would be really easy to look at this story and think that the real problem was that the people didn't have water, it would also be easy to look at this story and think that God's solution was simply to provide them with that water. But God could have just snapped his fingers and made water appear. Notice what he does instead. He tells Moses to go in in front of the people, to stand where everyone could see him, to stand on top of a rock and to take in his hand that staff that he had already used so many times as God demonstrated his power. God told Moses to take that staff and strike that rock and then from that rock, water would come gushing forth. But before that happened, God also said this. He said, I will stand before you by that rock. So not only was Moses standing before the people in plain sight, but in in some way, shape, or form, God was in front of them in plain sight as well. God didn't just provide this specific thing that they needed. Instead, he let them know that he would always be with them no matter what they needed. Even after they left this place, they would still have God's representative, Moses, Moses, he would still have that symbolic staff in his hand, and there would still be that pillar of cloud and fire that was a visible sign of God's presence leading them wherever they went. The sensation that they were experiencing was much more than thirst. And so the solution that God provided was much more than water. They were wondering whether God was among them or not, and so God gave them visible tangible proof that he was. Which is, again, what makes this story still so relevant to a group of people who have probably seen water come out of dozens of different places in their life, but maybe not ever from a rock. You know, it would be easy for us to wish that we could go back to the Garden of Eden, where we lived sort of blissfully unaware of just everything that we need from God as human beings, where our trust in him was perfect, that he would always be with us and always provide. And yet because Adam and Eve lost that for us, we actually have something even better. We have the visible and tangible evidence that God wants to give us that he is always with us to take care of our needs. He did that by causing water to gush forth from a rock that had been struck. And about 1,500 years later, he again did that by causing water to gush forth from a rock that had been struck. You see, that's exactly how the Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, describes Jesus that he was this rock. God's visible, tangible presence among us. A real, live human being walking and talking on earth. He was a rock, and a rock that was struck. All of God's anger, all of God's aggression, all of God's violence that you and I deserve for our charging of God and our testing of God was directed not at us, but instead was directed at Jesus. And from that rock that was stricken came gushing forth an endless stream of God's unconditional love for us. His forgiveness for all of our sins. His complete acceptance of us as his dearly loved children and total security both for time and for eternity. That's what happened when Jesus, the rock of God, was stricken for us and for our salvation. What came gushing forth from him is able to quench our every thirst. And not only did God do that in one desert, not only did God do that in the case of his son, Jesus Christ, but God still does that very same thing among us. It's no longer a rock and a staff. It's no longer a a visible human being with flesh and bones, but God still gives us visible and tangible presence that he is among us. That stream of unconditional love that you need flows out of those few drops of water that were sprinkled on your head when you were baptized. The assurance and the guidance that you need on your journey through this desert is found on the pages of Holy Scripture. The food that your soul craves and the forgiveness that you need day after day is piled up high on the table where Christ himself serves us his own body and blood. God is among us, not just to say, well, here's this, or here's that, here's what you need today, here's what you might need tomorrow. Instead, God says, here's me. And here's visible, tangible assurance that I am always with you, no matter what need you might be experiencing in the moment. Which means that that sensation that we sometimes feel that maybe God isn't around isn't accurate. In fact, just like that sensation that we sometimes feel in our tongue and in our lips and in our throat that we are thirsty isn't always accurate. It's very reliable, but it's actually purposefully inaccurate. That sensation that we feel is actually off by about 10 minutes. If you were to eat an entire bag of pretzels, you would probably instantly feel thirsty. And yet the osmolality in your body wouldn't actually be changing for about 10 minutes after you were done. In the same way, if you felt really thirsty on a hot summer day and you downed an entire glass of cold water, you would probably instantly feel better. Even though your osmolality wouldn't be back to normal, about 10 minutes. In the same way, these sensations that we sometimes feel that maybe God isn't around, they aren't accurate. They aren't reliable evidence of what is actually reality. Yes, being aware of our need is a much needed and very important reminder of where we are. No longer in the garden, not yet in the promised land, here in the desert. But those sensations that we feel are not the litmus test of whether God remains among us or not. Instead, he has given us visible, tangible evidence to look to as crystal-clear proof that he is. It isn't easy adjusting to life in the desert. But as we make our journey, we don't just have water. We have the one who is that water's never-ending spring. Amen.